cost drifted alarmingly in the betting was, you know, fancy in the morning continued to drift. It was late on the on the exchanges to, to lose. It was something you'd see in a, in a Dick Francis novel, Charles Bottoms. Ground is soft, it's not... It's oh, it's not, heavy. Soft on time. It's, it's heavy. Okay. And a very warm welcome to the Bastards Inquiry Sunday Sermon. My name's Lee Keys, assistant at UK. And just on his own today, is John Lang of John Joe's blog spot. We've put Kathleen back down the basement, uh, saving her for next week, John. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? What do you think to get the Friday show? We've had some good feedback for Friday show. I pity the ticking. Wasn't wasn't very lucky on Saturday. Now things were a bit desperate, weren't they? I mean, I, I can't say look for high definition. That was an appalling performance. But I, yeah. I, I did feel I was a little bit uh, shafted with Hotch, failed with uh, bloody Jim Goldie coming up the inside and doing me, and then uh, Paula Catherine's tipping the last as well. I think I think they probably both went dodds on, didn't they? I- yeah, I think I think they did. Uh, I know I know June Cup did. Um, I wasn't. I can't be certain on Hotfield. Maybe one of our listeners can tell us that. But but yeah, I mean, for me, you, the best two selections of the day, uh, the tip of tips, if you like, was uh, Hotfield in the plate. Very unlucky for John uh, and Catherine's June Cup at the Curra. And I, I, I did feel for both of you. I mean, well, I felt for me because because <laughs> obviously I had a few quid on as well. Um, so yeah, it was it was painful, painful. painful. But some Saturdays are like that, and we want listeners to know that you know everything that you're backing. Uh, you know, if you if you follow any of the selections given, um, but on ourselves, it's, we, there's none of this. We don't, you know, I, I don't have fivers on or, or two quids. It doesn't really matter what you have on, but we're backing them anyway. So it's, we felt the pain Saturday because we felt we deserved a bit better. But that's how it goes. Ben Robinson, who won the um, Northumberland Plate, John. He's won it before Brian. <laughs> you know, I mean, at least his future son in line. They say he's uh, he, he he's brought his home to family. You know, sort of thing. Yeah, I mean Brian Ellison, poor Brian Ellison. He's been trying to win this race for years. Phil Martin gave him an horse, have a crack with it. I think he he went about twenty to one on once. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but. It went 20 to 1 on and got caught by the Godolphin thing. I don't know if you remember the race. Uh, um, yeah, I don't remember that. And, 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 and poor Brian, you know, yet again. And then and then the, the future son-in-law, <laughs> you know, ends up winning it. It's just incredible, really. I, I feel gutted for Brian, but I bet there's some banter going off there. Um, yeah, so, right, it's an action-packed show, so straight on with it. We've got plenty to talk about. Uh, just start with a question from Nathan, and he says, this is more of a question about betting for a living. When trying to build your tank, uh, when do you know when the right time is to start taking money out, John, and how often? Like, is it a month? I'll ask you on this one, because, you know, obviously I know, like, throughout your time, you've, you've punted full-time, you've, you've mixed it, we, we like, obviously working for Stout years ago, things like that, something, now you're more part-time. How, did, how does it work with you? We are, we are betting bank. You know, what, what, when do you when when do you take money out when you need it, or do you, or do you take it out when you don't need it? Sometimes I took it out when I didn't need it and then regretted it. Then <laughs> uh, other times I was taking it out when bills came in, whether I probably shouldn't have been taking it out yet. You know, I mean, it's 
it's just a hard thing, you know. I mean, you, for me, you just do what you think's right at the time, and uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, you you know, <laughs> live to regret it. You know? it's just, I, I, and, I, I, I don't watch with a massive tank. It's really, really difficult, really. You know, I mean, uh, as I say, I, I was towing and throwing all the time. You know, I mean, uh, I, I never felt particularly cash flush. In all honesty, you know, I mean, I managed to salt bits away at times, you know, you know, but I mean, it's it's a tricky one, you know. I mean, you, you can't really tell anybody when they should be drying out because they know their out, outgoings and expenditure and what what they're likely to win, you know. I mean, I was I was always very careful about drawing too much out at like the end of the flat season because I thought well it's a bloody long four or five months before I'm likely to build my hand out you know so uh, it, it is it's tricky yeah. it is yeah you're right I mean best answer was from Nick Davis when the rent's due <laughs> yeah that's when you take that's when you take it out uh, but yeah I mean Nathan I mean obviously for myself I, I do it full time um I, it's hard, like John says. I, I, I agree with a lot of John says because I could tell you, well, this is how I do it, but it might not suit you. Um, it, I think it's circumstances. You've always got to bear in mind, and I do feel that many punters don't bear, don't bear this in mind, that think think of your worst losing run, right? And Or think of a really bad situation that you could find yourself in. Treble it, and that's probably your worst losing run over, over 10 years. So I, I always say, if you can, leave it in. Especially like we, uh, if you play on Betfair now with uh, deposit restrictions, if you if you make too many deposits and stuff like that, you know they're getting very strict now. Um, I mean, I believe Skybet came out and said boasting recently that five hundred thousand of their customers have signed up to these restricted deposit limits. I mean, God, if that's that's a, that's a really good sign for the levy. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean. I mean, it's, it's, the BHA just sit there and just quaff another gin and away they go. But, but yeah, Nathan, do what's comfortable and just try and be sensible. So, you know, take take a, a percentage out when you need to. If you if you want to treat the kids and go on holiday or, or pay the rent, take it out. But but make sure you've always enough left for a, for for the bad times because the bad times always come, and um, you just don't know how long the bad times last. Sometimes that's that's how the game is. So thanks for the question. Uh, we move on to another question from Frankie on the blower. And he goes, when I check the, the weekly results, John, in the weekender, I always notice the trainer, David Loughnane, winning a lot of minor races. Now he's broken into the group races. Is he a trainer to follow on the up? Maybe get some possible bigger owners, perhaps, John? He strikes me as pretty dangerous. Um, mm. I'd, I'd say... Three years ago, I didn't really give a monkey's what he was running if I fancied one against him. But uh, if I'm having a serious bet and he's got one in, I'm always inclined to give it an extra bit of a once-over now. Yeah. I mean, I mean for me, I, I, he, had, he, he broke into the ranks last year. I think he won the Princess Margaret um, at, at Ascot with a two-year-old of his um, at the King George meeting. And... I sort of me ears pricked up then, and and he trains for that uh, a few for that. Um, is it Sodi? S O D I. The red colours with white spots and the, and yeah. the black cap. You know, um, he trains a few for him. Um, definitely, definitely on the up, uh, Frankie. I w- I would say he's a, he's a positive trainer for me. Well, well, if I fancy one, 
uh, um, you know, and, and it amps to the ears, then then yeah, I'm I'm all over it. So yeah, possibly. Not sure though. One of those could go either way. Do you think, John? Ah, oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and last question before we move on to the uh, reviewing yesterday's action um, is from Aaron Rudd, and he says, "Ladies, one to follow: Polar Ice." He's had more entries than Matt Hancock's PA officers have of late. He says, I trust Lengi as his plums down. Now he's been declared in the race. Timoshenko started before running up a six-timer. Uh, Half-system won on a handicap debut too. Any excuses not to lump on? And that's from like, Aaron Rhodes. And I think, John, it's entered Tuesday at Chepster with about 14 entries elsewhere as well. Yes, yeah, I mean... Uh... Like Aaron, I have noticed the plethora of entries this horse has had, and I do get the impression he probably is going to do a Timoshenko and probably run up a five or six time. But the problem being, I think it could be the best price four to six in doing this six time. <laughs> you know, I think uh, by the time he's actually got this on the track, I think everybody's going to be champing at the bit to get walloped into it. So yeah, whether, yeah. whether it will present value at any stage of its career now, uh, I have serious doubts. But uh, I'll be having a look Monday night, seeing what the chalk is up, and uh, if I am having a dig, I'll be putting it in the blog. Yeah, uh, so there you go, um, Aaron. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously a very expensive purchase, so... Obviously, it's probably quite obvious. You know, you've highlighted the points I'd be looking for. Um, so you've done my job. Cheers. Um, and uh, obviously, John liked it. And it's uh, handicapping runs as well. So what sort of price we're looking at? We don't know. Right. Yes, is action, John. Um, obviously, the Irish Derby. Um, high definition. Probably be running around the field now with uh, Mongol and uh, Japan. I'd have thought now after, after that lamentable effort. It was terrible, wasn't it? I mean, never going at any stage. Moved like a crap, honest to God. I mean, the, you just couldn't take a plus from that, could you? You know what I mean? And, and le- unless he comes out and said it's got a fractured pelvis or something, I mean, Christ knows what you do. I mean, the blogger put up uh, after the race, he said, what do you do with our definition after that? And I, I just said, contact a taxidermist. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I'm just at a loss that it could have run that badly, to be honest. I mean, uh, I, I could have accepted the, the winner beating it, but for me, it had to finish closer than it did at Yard. And to be getting such a thumping, you know, I mean, God, unbelievable, really. I mean that, that that sort of. I mean, I, I totally agree. And um, uh, before we go on to review the race further, I mean, uh, we've got a question from Mick the Nipper, and he said basically, are are we even witnessing a changing of the guard here? Is something afoot? Um, Aidan O'Brien seems to have nothing barring love and the Oaks winner. Um, you know, I mean, Appleby's holding now both Derby winners. Um, you know, basically, I'd like to hear your thoughts, especially on on if you think is 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 this is this a changing of the uh, of the guard of the tide? Is the tide turning? It's, it's hard to say, really. I mean, John Magner has been 
a step ahead of the rest of the race since, since about 1971, you know, and my admiration for that man and the way he's changed the face of racing, breeding, you know, I mean, he's limitless, you know, I mean, I hold Magna in higher regard than I hold Aidan O'Brien, I'll say that now. I think the man's an absolute genius and the breeding operation he has set up there, I think it would be very hard for any trainer, save John Wainwright, to fail, you know. I mean, I, I think you can put anybody in there and they would train group one winners, maybe not as many as eight, but you, you get the drift. You know, I mean, he, he set up a production line there to rival anything in the world and beat it, you know. Um, that said, I mean, I'm not entirely convinced the likes of Australia and Glen Eagles are going to be outstanding stallions. But as I say, you know, you're talking over the course of 50 years. Well, the rest of the time he, he has produced the goods, you know, I mean, he... he Bought baby stallions, made stallions, syndicated horses for enormous amounts of money. And he's always been a step ahead of the Arabs. Um, very early days to be saying anything's changing over for me. Well, interesting. I mean, I mean, do, does it not, like, do you think, like, with Galileo, that obviously that, that, could that be of seen better days now? And, and, and is that a case now if, if Galileo starts? you know, firing a bit of dodgy offspring, then, you know, what... I'm sure he'll be aware of the fact he, he needs to replace Galileo. And if I'm having doubts about Australia, Glen Eagles, he probably had them three or four years ago and decided he's looking for something else because I, I wouldn't presume to be on the same level as that man, you know? And... Mm. But I wouldn't put it past them finding one, you know. I mean, if they popped up with a, a really brilliant two-year-old this year that went on and won the guineas and it's got a stallion's pedigree, they could be back in charge in three years, you know. Yeah. What, um, what, what, what's going off, do you think, recently, with uh, potentially with a lot of the big operations? Why, why are we seeing more fillies? You know, coming through that are better than the the, the Colts. I mean, I mean, this has been happening for a few years now. You know, where we sort of struggle. You know, we had, we had a. Is it just random? We had a spurt of like really good Colts, Frankel, Kingman. Um, you know, uh, Ballydoyle obviously obviously had some good Colts like uh, Glen Eagles, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but what's what's happened recently? Because all we seem to get, uh, you know, Love Winter. Um, enable. Um, I think it, it, it's early to say that any, anything's changing permanently there. I mean, if you go back to like the early to mid 70s, you know, I mean, you had horses like Alley France, Dahlia, Rose Bowl, Flying Water, you know, I mean, they were lethal in the um, middle distance, mile races, group races all, all over Europe, you know. And the likes of Evan Jake uh, winning the arc, Alain France, as I mentioned. You, you know, the, 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 they were always a big threat. And then you had a spell where you could more or less put a line through the Philly. So I, th- I think it's it, it hard to say any, any, any sex is getting particularly dominant or anything like that. You know, I think it's just a little bit pot luck, really. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, for now, I'm inclined to agree. I, th- I think, I think it's, I think it's probably just like the random fact. It, I think you could easily think, right? Well, uh, Aidan O'Brien's not having the best of seasons. Uh, he seems to be struggling. But for all we know, he could, he could, he have took took a different tack this year. Where, for example, all his two year olds, he's, he's he's gone slower with possibly the better tackle. Um, you know, and and. And probably his, his his Royal Ascot division was probably quite weak. What we've seen so far from uh, Valley Doyle's two-year-old, not the best. So, may, I mean, may, that's what I mean. We could look foolish now by saying, "Well, there's not a lot, lot there's not a lot at the moment." But then, come August, September, there might be a gluttony of of, of uh, two thousand guineas and Derby favourites emerging I mean it's it's that kind of thing where we could look daft really saying it at this stage so I reckon we'll check back at the end of the season Nick on that one we we, we don't like to sit on the fence but that's where we're sitting <laughs> um, back to the, the Irish derby um, uh, obviously I've read things that Frankie uh, great ride from Frankie nearly stole it etc I think he went slightly too soon if I'm honest and I think Hurricane Lane had a, had a rougher trip but I, I I didn't again, John. You'll probably agree with me. I've come out with rating the winner 117. I don't know how you rated it. Yeah, well, I give it a pound more. Um, I, I I thought more just there uh, ran to 107 in our derby because as I say, I was, I was struggling to rate our derby any better than that. I've knocked three pound off more just there because he did get messed about a bit. Um, and with with that in mind, Wordsworth come out 107 as opposed to his official rating 106, and I've, yeah. I've given the winner 118, and probably with the scope to improve over another two furlongs coming the ledger, so I think you can forget the ledger as a betting medium, really, as I couldn't say many, many t- turning up to take that on with the potential to run about 122, 123 in the ledger. Yeah. I think I think that's very fair, John. I think I agree with you on that. Um, like I said, so we're very close on that one. Um, so uh, yeah, that's the, the unanimous verdict. Again, we're looking for a star three-year-old staying colt. I've got a feeling, and this is this is my feeling that Minerva, I've mentioned it before of of Charlie Applebee's. That could be the one. That could be the absolute hidden gem. That's the one that beat Moho Star on debut at, at Newbury. And I, 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 and despite being a little bit green, and I, I just think that could be that could be special. Be very interesting to see where he goes next with it, aren't it? Yeah, because at, at Kempton he was still very raw, so clearly they're taking the time. Because with these colts, like like you like you say, they, they, they can go they can go the wrong way, and you know, and it's it's they can all go. You're dealing with like highly strung animals, so. They might have to take the time with him, I don't know. But it's interesting that after the Newbury win, they knew they'd, they knew they'd got something and then they went to Kempton. So as if to say the lad needed more education. And it looked like it as well because he was still green. So, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. But a lot of talent, that one. So I'm excited to see Minerva. Um, which brings on to um, uh, today, John. And um, we, would, we were a little bit unimpressed with uh, Ryan Moore uh, at the cover today on uh, Santa Barbara. Yeah. Um, I thought Ruby Walsh pointed out extremely well. He's, he's proving to be a wonderful pundit, Ruby. I think I think he's on a par with McEnroe on the tennis and Mikey Oldin on the cricket. Um, 
and it's very early days in his punditry, so I mean, he, he really is on his way to becoming a linchpin of television coverage for me. Yeah. Uh, because straight after the race, he pointed out that Ryan got himself in a pocket, the winner's outside him, and automatically Ryan can't go until the winner's gone, which immediately forfeits three lengths, you know. Um, the, Ryan seems to ride to a, a stencil, if you like, where he's, he's looking for cover all the time, ideally on the rails. It works if there's plenty of pace on and you're on a track like Ascot that throws them wide and it, things tend to open up for you. I think that's why he's had quite a bit of success in the Far East as well, because a lot of those courses, you, you, you're turning in off a fairly sharp bend and the, the slingshot ride, as they call it, seem, seems to work superbly. But as you pointed out when we were talking, one doesn't work is Sandown, where, where we have noticed Ryan seems to get himself in all, all kinds of trouble a lot of times. And uh, he does seem to add to that same stencil when, it, when he's performing around there as well. I mean, he's a very, very capable horseman. I wouldn't dispute that for a minute. He's, uh, but for me, tactically, he, he needs to have a little look at things as regards certain tracks and how he's driving them. And yeah, that's... on confidence as well, the way things are going. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think if you swap the swap the places, Santa Barbara, Thunder and Knights in the run, and you, you get the different result and. I just think it's it's quite sad to see why why he felt the need to sit Santa Barbara where, where he wanted her today because did you knew she was going to get the ten? I don't think there was any doubt she was getting the ten. Um, and you know, I'd have just I, I'd have been more proactive. He was he was handyish in the guineas, and I, I just I, don't, I didn't really understand the ride to be honest. But but there we go. I mean, you know, like she's a fanny to me. Yeah. And- she, she didn't want to say too much there, like, you just wanted to pop her through and not give her a chance to think about it. And, you, you know, you, you was a turn of foot and get there and that that was it, you know, because, I mean, the rider was using it. He was never going to win till then, was he? So it, it would be in the back of my mind that he, he maybe doesn't have full confidence in the filly because the, the likes of Piggott and that, you know, I mean, if they were riding somewhat like that, I mean, chances are they jumped out and made all on her, dropping back yeah. in the well, I'm always disappointed when a, uh, a supposedly decent three-year-old filly gets beat by an older filly at this time of year, because as we know, the weight for her age is, is, is favourable uh, to the three-year-olds, the 12, 12 pound allowance. Um, and if you don't beat them at this time of year, it's only going to get harder as your allowance gets less towards yeah. the autumn. Um So, yeah, I, I was disappointed that, that Santa Barbara couldn't win today, but I think, I think Ryan's... Uh, left a bit on the track there to be fair and that brings us on to JCC's question which he says uh, regarding uh, Ryan Moore um, he says if he gets the chop from Ballydale John where do you see his future and what yard connections may suit his style best it, it's difficult this isn't it because really I mean do you see him dropping down to a lesser level I mean I, I don't think his immediate future is in jeopardy there to be honest because I think sometimes you can tell they would start, you know, was maybe that meant Desabelle that's in France for him, maybe they, they've got half an eye on him, but it hasn't worked in the past when they brought somebody over from mainland Europe. So I, I, I don't think they'll be over keen to do anything like that. 
I, th- I think he's safe for now, but if if he did lose the job, I, I could quite see him retiring, to be honest. I mean, I, I don't... I don't think many people would want to lose that and drop down drop down the level, you know. I mean, they've tended not to, haven't they? You know, I mean, when Kinane lost the job, he didn't carry on all that long. I mean, he had to see the stars to ride for John Ox and that, but it wasn't long and he was gone. Uh, Johnny Murta the same, really. I mean, when he, he finished with them, you know, I mean, how long did he carry on? Yeah, exactly. No, no. You know, so, um, it, it, it's difficult. I mean, obviously, Michael Stout still uses him when he can. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that the offer would be open. But, I mean, how long is that going to last now? You know, I mean. Yeah, I can see Ryan retiring if if that's the case. If if uh, Ballard will say no more. Because I, 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 don't, I don't think he'd get, he'd get a job big enough that would warrant his... He's botheredness, really. Um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'd know full well about how bothered Ryan Moore is because he, I, I had an horse that ran at Pontefract, as you know, called Scargill, and he rode, he rode for me at Pontefract, got off him, said, "Yeah, he's a real tough, hardy type." Blah blah blah. So we thought, well, Ryan's not going to ride in the Cheshire at Ascot, so we thought we'd try and book Ryan Moore for the Cheshire. And then, so Ryan, Ryan's on him. And then as Brian's mounting him up, this was out of our earshot, obviously, because Brian told us after, but he said, uh, why have they fucking put me on this? What have they put me on this for? You know, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, so he's there, he's riding, but he couldn't be bothered to ride a 50 shot, if you like, in a Chechen. He just, he, you know. So I mean that that's I, I agree with you. I think if Ballard Earl say that, you know, there's probably no motivation to continue, to be honest. Um so yeah, good question. Um and also Harold Roberts, thank you for uh, messaging in with my terrible pronunciation of Amran Nabiffin, <laughs> as I pronounced it <laughs> embarrassingly. And he kind of made me feel embarrassed as well. I shouldn't be embarrassed. I should, you're right, Harold, I'm I'm rubbish. And he said, he said, basically, it is pronounced Omron Naveen. And translated, it means the soldier's song. So, uh, obviously, it's very dear to, it's a very dear Irish Irish uh, national anthem. And I failed to even recognise that. So it shows you what a pillock I am. Do you agree with that, John? <laughs> I was actually kicking up the ass by going in there, didn't it? So... <laughs> Actually, what well, did you? This is it. We've just been talking about Ryan, and what did Colin Keane do? He, he showed everyone how to ride the curra. Don't when it's when it's quick ground at the curra, you don't mess about. You you don't play jockeys, and and you know that get on with it. And they just keep as as um, uh, Limp Biscuit once said, they keep rolling, rolling, rolling oh. at the curra. You know, um, and uh, yeah, so thank you for pointing that out, Harold. Uh, you learn something every day. So the soldier's song, the Irish national anthem that I called Amran Nabifan. Um, <laughs> there we go. Right, on to the next part of the show. And this is where we're discussing a, a few topics. Uh, and the first one, we've gone from Bally Doyle. So let's go to Holly Doyle. And this is a this is a this is a subject that I, I thought I'd bring up because this is not like it hasn't been in the news or anything. Obviously, Holly's fantastic. She's one of my favourite jockeys, John. 
In fact, she's probably, yeah, probably the favourite, if you like. Um, I just like what she's done. I like her attitude. I like her as a person. I think she's a great rider. But I was quite kind of shocked when I looked at some statistics. And she's had over 600 rides uh, since the start of the year. That's 30 more than Luke Morris, Thrasher Morris, who rides uh, rides anything he can, um, like Matt Hancock. And, um, yeah, I mean... I, I just worry in terms of like fatigue. It's, you'd never have seen Dottori do this. And I know Dottori, when he was younger, he'd be riding for a few. But I always think when you get to Holly's level, and I think she's at a very good level, I think she's she's not, you know, let, let's let's cut to the chase here. She's not, not you know, just behind Oshin, probably just behind, you know, the top, the top lads, but, but very, very close, right? I'd, I'd be having a little... I wouldn't be turning up and riding 33s perks at Wolverhampton. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think she she maybe needs to be having a word with her agent and looking to be a bit more selective about her ads. And, um, well, like yourself, uh, I, I, I share the admiration for her to some degree. I do think she does still have plenty to learn and... I think there's certain physical constraints. She, she reminds me quite a bit of Michael Roberts, actually. In yeah. Size-wise, she's... <laughs> it sounds awful, this, but maybe she's a, just a tad on the small side um, yeah. for really getting all of these big, strong corks and settling them properly. You know, I, I have seen that she, a couple of times where she's looked a bit rolling about like a pea on a drum sometimes, you know, and... Uh, it, it, it's tricky because I mean she's an exceptionally good rider, you, you know. There's no, there's no getting away from that. But yeah. I, th- I think a little bit of care in what what she's riding wouldn't come amiss. And as I said, you never stop learning. She's still young. Hopefully, she'll she'll get a little bit better at settling them on when there's a slow pace. But it, it is difficult with that kind of stature, you know. I mean, it, it ended up costing Michael Roberts the job with Shake Moore. You know, I mean, the, that was the general consensus that Joe said. He wasn't able to really sit deep enough into him and what have you, you know. So, I, you know, I, I hope she comes through and gets gets a percentage up a bit. Yes, re- really interesting insight there from you. Um, something that obviously, like, you always bring to the table. And that's that's my lack of knowledge that you you enhance. And it's a really interesting point what you said there about, about size. Um, but, I mean, our agent's Guy Jewell. And Guy Jewell's been very successful. Um, you know, he's had, he's had Ailey Turner and, and Ailey Turner wrote, wrote a Group 1 winner, July Cup. You know, he made her the, the sort of the, 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 the headline for female for years. Um, and he's got some high-profile riders, Richard Kingscourt, uh, Peter Crouch, um, he's got him as well. Um, and I, so I did some stats. I thought, let's have a, let's have a look because Holly's had a lot of rides. So you're thinking, right? So I did it from start of May as well. So from start of May, which is the champion, you know, race race for the jockeys championship. Because I believe Holly's going for the jockeys championship. She, she might not admit, she, you know, she's going for the jockeys championship. You can tell. Um, she won't get it, but she's going for it. And I found that, like, Crouch, who is, again, under Jules' care, has had 84 rides since the beginning of May. He's rode 22 favourites. Kingscourt has had 171 rides. He's rode 30 favourites. 
Uh, Turner has had 84 rides. She just rode eight favourites. Um, probably stopping them for Ding Dong, etc. Um, but Holly Doyle, 203 rides, only 26 favourites. So Peter Crouch, from 40% less, you know, he's had 40% of the rides as Holly has, nearly as rode as many favourites. And this is this is my point. My, I mean. I'm not telling Guy Jewel how to do his job or Holly how to do her job. I'm just saying that sometimes if I if I got up in the morning and I bet on every race from first race to last and I, I didn't do anything else and I didn't do anything else with my time, my brain would be fried and I, I'd, I'd be struggling to like perform at my best because I'd be that intense into what I'm doing. So if she's having that many rides, um, you know, since since the turn of the year. And she's not going on many favourites, which she clearly isn't. Um, you know, my advice to them is to, to change tack a little bit because she's dropped to 13% as well. And I always think some people look at these stats, as simple as they are, Will Buick 20%, O'Sheen, you know, 21%, and all Holly languishing down at 13 because you shouldn't be turning up and riding for Steph Hollins at, you know, at, at, at 25s at Wolves. I don't, I, you don't need to. You, she shouldn't be needing to do this. In fact, I think you lose that aura. Like I said about Ryan Moore not wanting to ride a 50 to 1 for, for, for me in the Chesham. He, he, wanted, he was fine at Pontefract because it was something like 5 to 2. But he didn't want to ride it because it was 50s. And I think I think that's that's half the thing. The, the top lads don't want to get out of bed and ride a... Ride a, a I have a bit of a theory about this. Um, I mean, from what I've seen of her, I mean, I've never met her, but I get the impression she's an extremely pleasant and accommodating young lady. And I think she would hate to disoblige people that have maybe, she's maybe perceived to have given her a leg up on a, a, on a rise through the ranks. So the likes of Steph Ollins that you mentioned are however, you know, that maybe smaller yards that have given her ads in the past, let her go down and ride work, whatever, you know. She would probably feel bad about turning rides down um, just for the sake of turning rides down, you know. I mean, she'd maybe think, well, I'm going there. I've only got two rides about. I'll, yeah, I'll jump up on that for you, no problem, even though it's got no chance. And probably doing it to the detriment of her own figures without actually thinking a great deal about it. Mm. I mean, I, I always like to say I, I wanted to get that aura because I think Ollie Doyle deserves a bit of an aura. It's like if I if I'd got a runner and I could book somebody like Holly Doyle, currently I'd be like excited that I've got somebody of Holly Doyle's caliber. I, I, I don't want her to lose that. I don't want her to become shall I shall I put it, Haley Turner. Haley Turner, same agent. She went from winning a dual like upgrade group one and then nothing. Ended up packing in. You know, I mean, because she said it would lack of, lack of opportunities. Now, I, I just think if you ride anything, then then you just become one of the, oh, well, yeah, get, get her on or get him on. Or. And uh, Holly to have a bit, more, a bit more substance to the aura than Hayley Turner. I always got the impression with Hayley Turner, it was like the Emperor's New Clothes, the, the press were always clamouring for a pin-up lady jockey that they could bang on about. And I, th- I thought they made far too much of Haley Turner before she was what I would say established as a top jockey. You know, I think uh, there was an awful lot of mistakes being made that weren't highlighted and things like that. You know, and 
It, it, it was made out as though Hayley Turner was up there with the likes of Dittori, Ryan Moore, etc. When, for my money, she was a long way short, you know, whereas I think they've got the genuine article here with Holly Doyle, but, you, you know, I, I, I see the, the danger signs there wanting to be this hype job with the same agent and everything, you know, I think it's it, it's a potentially difficult time for the last, you know. Yeah, uh, I mean, she's definitely not uh, Shay's long basement material, you know. Like, I mean, you know, she's she's a lovely lass. So we want to see her in your basement anytime. But I mean, as I said, I, I'm just concerned because I just I just I just think that she 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 built this momentum, and I don't want to see it dis- disappear. Um, you know, I mean, she hasn't got like what you call a big stable. Archie Watson backs her. She's got a, a ret- shake retained owner. He hasn't got many runners, um, which obviously hinders her to winning a jockey's title when you've got the likes of O'Shea Murphy, the backing he gets, and uh, Tom Marquand from the Haggis team and things like that. It's, it's very tough if you haven't got the, the big stable uh, behind you. But um, I wish her well. Uh, I just I've just got my concerns about her at the moment, and um, if ever they get, this gets played in the Gaijul household, you'll probably want to volley me. But yeah, I, I just I just think a change of tax probably needed with Holly on that. That's just my perspective. Right, we'll move on to um, another female jockey that made the headlines this week, and Safi Osborne got some pretty terrible abuse. It has to be said from a chap called Paul Stacey. And Safi was very, very pissed off at her, her father, Jamie, for sharing it with social media because she she just wanted to want to bat it down and just ignore it. But but Jamie, and some have said rightly so, has obviously highlighted this. And um, obviously now it's in the public domain, John, where jockeys obviously get some pretty sick um, social media attention. Well, yeah, I mean, Stacey obviously needs dealing with, doesn't he? I mean, that was vile. Nothing but, you know what I mean? Constructive criticism is one thing, but sweet Jesus. I mean, message the last like that, I mean, it's absolutely disgusting. There's no excuse for it whatsoever. Um, I take my hat off to Safi Osborne for wanting to ride through it for want of a better word and not wanting a father to get involved but come on you know i mean dads and daughters are not going to stand by and put up with that other you know i mean it was beyond the hell you know uh you, you'd hope that the authorities would take some action really because i mean at, at least it's 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 very threatening isn't it and unpleasant it is and like I said, I'm 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 all against any kind of online abuse. I'm a massive supporter of mental health. I support charities, and I suffer myself mental health wise. You never know what someone's suffering to get a message like that. It could be at the wrong point. You know, they might be chucking themselves off a bridge, and you know, because because of it, you just don't know. You you don't send things like that. However, um, Ian Davis says um, while it is time to stamp out online abuse. Does the panel agree the Safi Osborne incident shouldn't be used as a vehicle for trying to silence legitimate criticism of trainers and jockeys who, after all, operate in the public domain and whose actions affect punters every day? 
until they say otherwise, I don't think we should assume it will be. Um, you know, I mean, if if they start voting off about what you'd say is legitimate criticism, I mean, we've, we've picked the bones out of a fair few riders today on here. Um, and I don't think anybody's been particularly unfair about anybody or got personal. So I would expect that to be seen as legitimate criticism. If somebody was trying to stamp that out, I'd be quite concerned. But until we do say that, I think it's it's fair to assume that Jamie Osborne's campaign is going to concentrate mainly on personal abuse, threatening posts, that type of thing, you know? Um, yeah. You, you know, I mean, racing can be a bit sensitive towards any kind of criticism. I know that. Racing insiders can. <laughs> Yeah. That's why we've got a show, John. That's well, why yeah. we've got listeners. Well, this, this is true. You know, I mean, we we, we do tend to go where rival podcasts fear to tread sometimes. <laughs> you, you know, but I would like to think we we don't get personal and if, if we're not speaking constructively, we try, we try and do things in a light-hearted manner. You know, I mean, we're not trying to tip anybody over the edge or anything like that, you know. Um, so, I mean, I, I think I'm watching Ray for now with that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Lord Marvel has sort of messaged in as well. He'll be on the show next Sunday, uh, unfortunately for you, um, and anybody that's listening as well. Um, and he said, basically, he's not sure about... Uh, private prosecutions on matters like this because he thinks well half of these kids that are doing this let's be right and I'm, and we're talking about racial abuse as well say like you know with footballers half of these kids will either be on drugs intoxicated with some mentally ill just basically just you can't help them it's just and they're, they're potless so what would be the point of a of a, of a legal exercise on this I, th- I think really it's it's up to the people that run these forums, platforms, whatever you like to call them, to just take these people out. You, you know, mm. I mean, I mean, is Stacey still on Twitter? Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know. I've, I've never searched for him because obviously no, no, no. He, he's not going to post anything I'm going to want to read. So um, I would assume that Twitter have removed him. I would assume he, he's off all forms of social media, you know. But is he? I don't know. Not sure. Um, it's, it's, it's a tough one um, to, because, I mean, obviously everyone wants to see punishments handed out for things like this. I, I don't want to see jockeys have to... I mean, look, me and John will be very critical of jockeys when we need to be, but it'll all, it'll all be like constructive with a bit of satire uh, chucked in, which is how we built this show, really. Um, and and that's that's what it's all about, you know, a bit a bit of fun, a uh, bit of constructive criticism, and that's why we do it because a lot in racing. I mean, you just just keep playing the Lydia Nikki Anderson interview back. You know, you'll see yourself the contempt that the racing game has for the media punters that fund basically punters fund the sport. I view punters as very important because they fund the sport. So it's. It, it literally the contempt they have, you know, for punters. I, I, I just, I, I really. That's why I've, I've done this in the first place because 
none of them, uh, you know, have any respect for, for, for bottom end punters. And I, and I think that's that needs to change. I think they need to be more, uh, you know, like uh, media savvy. I think they need to be more uh, forthcoming with interviews and not do what Nikki, not what Popeye did to to Lydia um, at Sandown. Because obviously she got his goat up a bit, so he 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 made a complete arse of himself, and I think that's where we we, we you know like Lord Marvel says we need to we need to be careful of like classing downright abuse that Paul Stacey did, but then going too hard on the people that are genuinely trying to criticise or or offer basically. I mean, I, I love this thing where you can't criticise a jockey if, if if you've never ridden a horse. I mean. That's what they say. How many horses have you ridden? It's so annoying me. Same with trainers. You know, how many winners have you trained, et cetera, et cetera. But it's one thing that will rumble on and on. I'm sure it won't stop. I don't, it just won't stop. It'll carry on because you always have idiots. And as long as there's idiots, you're going to get daft tweets and daft, daft messages. Anyway, finally, to end the show, uh, just before the Jimmy Lindley, because I know John's got something he wants to bash on about. Um, the bookmakers on race courses, none at the Irish Derby yesterday, John. Um, soulless whistling grandstand with no bookmakers either mm. um and i I've, I've had a bit of info um can't really name names but this is legit um that it is the race courses themselves that are putting numbers on bookmakers at racetracks so bookmakers out there if you're being told by your racetrack that uh, it is legislation from government or it is the rca that are imposing these limits uh, on, 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 and it's causing restrictions on race courses. It isn't. I can guarantee you it is not. It is the race course themselves. So if they are giving you answers that you can't stand, it is not coming from above. It's coming from the race courses. And that's a bastard's ex- ex- exclusive. John, what do you think for the future of race course bookmaking and what's going off at the moment with the race course bookmakers? They've been the ones hardest hit, haven't they? They've been out. They've been they've been off off the track for fifteen months. Some of them, you know, with, with, without a living. You, you can see a lot of these lads have had to buy bikes and ladders and buckets and, mm. and find other ways to make a living. You know, I mean, my heart goes out to them. It really does. You know, I'm not being sarcastic there. You know, I think because basically they've been facing up to something that they don't know the hell long it's going to go on. I mean, obviously, they're working for themselves. They've got absolutely zero chance of furlough money or whatever the hell you'd call it, you know. So it's just all been awful. And you've no guarantees, even when they get back on track, how long that's going to be for Because the way the response to this pandemic's been buggered up left, right and centre, you you wouldn't bet against another lockdown. So... Yeah. they're in a very precarious position, really, you know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how many do come back when they're allowed back, you know, and how many start doing something else. I mean, you, you wouldn't know until it happens, would you? You know, I mean, you could find no. that don't come back. Totally, totally ridiculous situation um, that they find themselves in. Um, I'm, I'm absolutely shocked how this pandemic has been handled very bad at the BHA for not getting involved and getting more punt, uh, fighting for more punters. Wimbledon's full. Wembley's going to be uh, at um, uh, big, bigger crowds coming up. Every Everything's getting bigger crowds. Cricket's getting bigger crowds. Racing still still just languishing back and on a time where all the tracks need the money. Everyone needs the money. Bookmakers need the money. Everyone needs it. 
Um, so, yeah, uh, disappointing, to say the least. Um, what's happening in the bookmaking world at the moment. But, yes, bookmakers, as I say, get on to your race courses. It's them that make the decisions, not anyone else. Um, right, moving on finally, John. Uh, you, I've no Jimmy Lindley this week, but the lovely pair of hands column, you want to discuss one that's ruined tomorrow. Yeah, um, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bit unusual to put one forward for the Jimmy Lindley column that hasn't actually run yet. Um, but the, this is one that I've, I've had a bit of a bit of a deal with all season, really. Um, and it's Elton Place of David Simcox. Well, this, this horse is, is going to end up where it will drop in somewhere when we can get a right bet on it. But chances are everybody will have spotted it and it will be about threes on. Because I, f- I first flagged this horse up when it was given a rating of 65 and was given a well, mediocre Spencer ad uh, first time in a handicap round Kempton. And then since then, it, it's been... Haley Turner twice in small fields on the all weather. Cam Hardy was asked to do the impossible on it. Uh, eight on a failed at Wolverhampton. Um, Young Villiers took £5 off, had it running off 55 and again, just hopeless, you know, steadied start and this was round Chelmsford um, and then repeat the dose with Young Wayland riding it held up in Raya. Now, t- tomorrow, um, we finally get a decent size failed, but it's a front-end favour in Windsor with um, zero pace in offering. So, another frustrating outing looks likely. I mean, I can imagine it finishing sixth or seventh, running on nicely. Poor Grace McIntyre's been charged with the job tomorrow. Um, I-, I just think... Simcock must have took his brains out for a wash where this horse is concerned because it, it's relatives are, well, you, you know, I mean, if, if you go back looking at the family, it, it just should be so much better than this. But I, I don't think it's getting any chance to to prove it, you know. I mean, it's, it's cost 140,000 guineas this initially. Yeah, that's yeah. a beautiful pedigree they're certainly going to be breeding with her um if she wins because i mean the, the mother was a group three winner family on the damn side of group group winners yeah i mean it's four year old it's never had a sniff of the front no um, i mean technically thrown off all the weeks yeah i oh, know i mean i mean so i mean guys tomorrow this is elton palace runs in the 530 at windsor john's tearing his hair out with it um, keeps having a look at it. No pace on. Uh, Grace Mac and cheese in the saddle and trained by a trainer that's held up more than Dick Turpin. I mean, it's drawn one. So I mean, if you if you're not jumping out and going handy tomorrow, you you you're, you're in a pocket, aren't you? So yeah. it, it's good night be her again tomorrow. So twelve to one shot. Yeah. Yeah, so this is John's tearing his hair out with one on Jimmy Lindley. We hope you enjoyed the show. Um, we're back on Friday. Catherine's back on Friday, um, uh, climbing length stepladder uh, to come up for the show on Friday. Um, <laughs> as we speak. Uh, 
And on Sunday, next Sunday, we've got Lone Marvel back for the Sunday server with me and John uh, to add a, add, a, add a bit more dimension to our one-pace topics. So, yeah, so that's all from us. We hope you enjoyed the show. We're back on Friday. Bye for now.